0: Hello, blood suckers. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, behind us. you will realize that there is something ahead. Something that lurks behind the dark veil. We have such sights to show you. A veil that's beyond our own comprehension. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Beyond the void.
1: Welcome back to Beyond the Void
2: Horror Podcast. That's right. It's
1: episode 278. And today we're going to be talking about some serial killers. Real and not real. (laughs) Sort of. One of the movies was kind of about it, but we'll get more into that later. We're going to be watching Manhunter from 1986 and
2: Summer of Sam from 1999.
1: So technically we're going to be talking about David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, and... We're also going to be talking about Hannibal Hannibal Lecter and uh, the Red Dragon, because the Manhunter movie is based off the Red Dragon book. And then they later on made a Red Dragon movie with the Anthony Hopkins version. So So
2: they like redid redid this movie.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And it's pretty similar.
2: And this one came out before Silence of the Lambs?
1: (laughs) Yes. This was well before. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So it's different. I'd never seen it. I thought I had. Nope, I have never seen this movie. I can tell you 100%. Me too. And I'm not embarrassed to say it because there's movies out there that everybody hasn't seen. I'm like, I talk to some people and they're like, I'm like, have you ever seen, uh, you know, such and such movie? And they're like, it's like one that everybody's seen, you know. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, I've never seen it. I'm like, what the fuck? I can show you the world. (laughs) Other people go, oh, you're not a horror fan because of that. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, calm down. (laughs) Uh, So what have we been up to, Christina? What are we doing?
2: Just busy, busy. Yeah,
1: oh yeah. A lot of stuff going on in the background here in our lives.
2: Got another family member in the hospital. Yeah,
1: which seems to be an ever-present thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully it's not so bad. Uh, we're just taking care of whatever we got to take care of though right now. It's not, I don't want everybody to like freak out and panic or something like that. Everything is okay. Right. We're just dealing with what we have to deal with. It's just a, it's going to be a common occurrence. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, other than that, we've been, uh, trying to watch some movies and some TV shows and Mm
2: -hmm. what do we
1: watch? Oh, I watched a couple of movies you weren't able to watch.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You did reviews on them. Well, we
1: got. Yeah, I did a, a couple of video reviews Well, not video. Re- One was not a video review. I th- We got a teaser trailer for fucking Cronenberg two weeks after or a week after we just did drum. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, it was like it was like I was telling David Cronenberg to put the trailer out. And he did. And he listened to me because I'm such a good fan. No, <laughs> uh, we got the teaser trailer for crimes of punish or crimes of punishment. Crimes of the future, which is a title that he used before and is repurposing and made a new movie all out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I did a, a whole thing about that on uh, YouTube, you guys should check out. And I got to go finally see X, which has been raved about by just about everyone that I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I didn't even mention that in my review.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: I didn't think he needed to. Right. And I, every, I'm tired. Of, everybody's been saying it, so I just didn't want to say it. Makes sense. But I really liked it a whole lot. There's some people that really hate it, which is really weird to me because, like, it may not be the deepest movie that I've ever seen, but it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I can understand some people going, eh, it's kind of average, you know? But for me and a lot of my friends, it's, it's like, big. Mm-hmm. I won't say what that score is. You'll have to watch the video. But <laughs> if you haven't already, you already know, so... But uh, yeah, I got into it with somebody.
2: (laughs) You couldn't get away from it I couldn't
1: help it because they gave it a two out of 10. And I was like,
2: really? Why? (laughs) Why would you give any movie a two
1: out of 10? when you
2: argue with me about it? Well, because like I think of like,
1: okay, was the camera work good? Was the, you know, the mood, the atmosphere, was the acting, was the, you know. Sometimes you give um, a movie a couple of points based on just your interest, you know. Mm -hmm. Just a couple of points. If if that's what you do if you like a movie you give it a couple extra points you don't take away eight points because you're not interested. You know what I mean? There's gotta. I mean, you have
2: so many rules.
1: It's just because like I respect the fucking process of filmmaking. Right, I really do. Some people
2: don't. So I'm not saying. The I'm not saying
1: they're not entitled to their opinion. I don't care if they would like it or not. I never do. But just when someone gets something so low or calls it pure garbage, it is just a trigger in me because like I know how hard people work to make movies, even bad ones. You know what I mean? I know. And it's It's like, God, man, like, uh let me show you the worst shit that has ever been made. Anyway, sorry.
2: (laughs) Rant over.
1: Yeah, well, I can't help it. I just it's like because I have to think I have to go to a place in my brain that makes sense. And my scores, by the way, I don't give a shit if anybody agrees with them. They are made up in my mind. They are not the rule. Overall rule for the world, I could give two shits. I expect other people not to agree with me Mm -hmm. 100% of the time. Like most people should not agree with me because everybody's different. But I at least try to put some extra thought into it and I don't go too low unless I really, really, really don't like it. Mm -hmm. Like what was the movie we watched recently that we really didn't like? It was like we watched some two really kind of crappy movies.
2: Yeah, it was was it the last episode or the episode before?
1: Yeah, it was like
2: <laughs> I don't even remember.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> oh, House of the Dead. Oh, oh yeah.
1: Like there is no fucking way that House of the Dead is as good as is, as X. Do you see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I see what you're saying. Someone's giving still...
1: House of the Dead. I mean, what what are they going to do? Give it a one? Like, do you know how vast, vastly... I gave it a one. Yeah, but I'm just saying, when you see X and you go, oh, when I think of a two and that's House of the Dead, you're going to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, there's no way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no way that that's a two. There's no way. Like I said, I don't mind if someone gives it a four, a five, a six, a seven, an eight, but a two, you just started to to die. (laughs) 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 Anyway, I'm really excited about it. It was one of my favorite movies this year. And I know that we got like the sadness coming. I'm super excited about getting that 4K in the mail. Like, I've been just like waiting every single day, and it's only been five, six days since I ordered it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, <sighs> <sighs> I'm getting this. I'm getting, you know, like what the characters in the movie are like, actually. They have black eyes and they kill people for no reason. Oh, I don't even know. But a lot of people are comparing the sadness to a comic book called Cross by Garth Enos. And uh, you did the boys and all these other shows. You know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're comparing it. Cross is like this disease that causes you to like have a cross on your face, and like you like tear people apart, and like. Do really depraved shit. Oh, so people okay. were comparing it to that, and I started reading the comic recently just to check it out. Uh-huh. John, uh huh. John Hale from the Conduit was like mentioning it to me. Uh
0: huh. And I was to like, oh, I
1: need to watch. I need to read it. And one of my other buddies was saying you might be putting on a list if you read that, and I'm like, really? Is Why? That, is that bad? A
2: list? <laughs> yeah, like
1: an FBI list.
2: Okay. Like a watch
1: list for reading it. I'm like, but it's on Comicsology. <laughs> There's no way that that could. So everybody's on the list, I guess. You know, like, or maybe the FBI is Comicsology. I don't know. I'm just kidding, Slate. I love you, brother. <laughs> uh, but anyway, guys, I think it might be that time.
2: What time is it? Horse oh oh shots. God.
1: All right, so we decided to pick Manhunter because it started it all. Well, the book started it all, technically, but Manhunter became, uh, was one of the bigger lector, you know, the first movie to basically be made, I think, Mm -hmm. of the series or whatever. I think the series started getting written back in the 70s, and then it turned into movie in the 80s, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, So for this shot, Christina came up with some of the ingredients for it. We just named it. I came up with the name for it.
2: And what's the name for it?
1: It's called a God Complex.
2: Yep. And I've been dying to do these ingredients. So we got a half a shot of rum chata Mm -hmm. and a half a shot of 99 root beer.
1: That's right. She says it, it's supposed to taste really good. good. It's
2: supposed to taste really
1: good. So we'll see. We'll see. It, it, I'm sure it mixes. I mean, root beer sounds like it goes with rum chata. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, part of the reason we call it a God complex is in the movie, Hannibal Lecter says, if you start doing enough things that are like God, then you become God mm-hmm. or something along those lines. And I thought it was a really cool line. So I figured, wait, hey, God complex. Here we go. Here we
2: go. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Oof. yeah, it's not bad. It's strong, but it's smooth.
2: Oh, it is strong. That's weird. It's
1: smoother than it would have been if it was just straight. I think the rum chata smooths it out a little bit.
2: I think it's do a little less of the 99 rip air and more rum chata. Oh,
1: 99 anything is uh, too strong. Well, I mean, it's all we got. It's a that liqueur. That's why I look at it. It's just a really strong liqueur, uh-huh. you know? So that's why we use it all the time, guys. So don't give me no shit, all right? We're not rich. You guys want to start supplying bottles? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll use them for sure. Anyway, guys, so if you want to try a god complex for Hannibal Lecter in the movie Manhunter, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shots section now. That's it for horror shots. Alright guys, so we're gonna get into our flesh and potatoes of this week's movies of serial killers With Manhunter from 1986
2: and Summer of Sam from 1999
1: And we're gonna go ahead and do that right now So, Manhunter came out in 1986. It's about former FBI profiler Will Graham, who returns to service to pursue a deranged serial killer, dubbed the Tooth Fairy by the media, of course, or the Tattler. So, the tagline for this one is Enter the mind of a serial killer. You may never come back. Wahaha. It is directed by and written by director. Michael Mann, who you may know as the guy who made the Keep movie, that would have been like seven hours long. What's that? <laughs> the Keep. It's yeah, what's about that? a bunker in the middle of like Austria or something like that, where like the Germans have, uh-huh. and they like there's some sort of like glowing sort of entity or whatever that's down in there, mm-hmm. and that's like causing people to like go crazy and and mm-hmm. it's using like Nazis and stuff like that to. I don't know. It's a long story. We, we oh, okay. reviewed it before, but it, it was a very troubled movie because Michael Mann wanted to spend more money than the production team had and he often lied to them. And there was, oh. it was just a, it's a crazy story. There's actually a documentary that raised some money for uh, like a documentary about it on Indiegogo or something like that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet, but some I know that it got released at some point in time within the last year. Mm-hmm. So I'll take a look for it. Maybe if I find it, I'll post it for you guys. Guys. But anyway, Michael Mann also did the screenplay for this movie. He's directed movies like The Last of the Mohicans, The Keep, The Thief movie, which is one of his first, and Black Hat, as well as others. This was actually a by, written by novelist Thomas Harris. He's pretty much the novelist who wrote all the Lecter books, plus Black Sunday and Karimora. The cast in this movie is William Peterson, who plays Will Graham. She calls him William at one point in time in the movie. And Mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, must be easy, you know, since your name's William." (laughs) (laughs) Not stretched there at all. But uh, he was in Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Do you remember that?
2: Oh, I remember that movie. That's weird.
1: Do you remember the guy that was like, he was in the a car, and he was like, "Are you him?" Because he like hired a like hitman or something.
2: Oh, to kill the wife? Or to the... kill him. Oh, okay. Because he
1: didn't want to be killed <gasps> oh, by the, right, the, comet the comet or whatever. But that's he didn't him. Want to that's kill Will himself. Peterson. Okay. Yeah. That's funny.
2: Um,
1: He also was in To Live and Die in L.A., which I remember being a big movie back in the day. He was also in CSI Vegas and the first CSI show, which he also produced.
2: Oh, okay.
1: He was in Young Guns 2 and Michael Mann's first movie, Thief, as a lot of these people are in that mm. movie, by the way. Uh, Kim Greist, who was Molly Graham in this movie, she played a character in Brazil, Throw Mama from the Train. She was Chud, she was the main lady in the Chud.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, with what's his name from Home Alone? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I can't think of his name. The one of the, the burglars, the thieves, yeah, yeah. Um Joanne Allen is in this movie. She plays Reba. She was a blind lady, I think. She was in Death Race, the killing TV show that we watched for a little while. Oh, I think that's on the Netflix? one with. Is that the one with? Um. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. That's where that guy, the kid, Seattle. the young, the young detective, got yeah. his start. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And now, and he's now he's like he's a, huge. Now he's like a big actor. Yeah. Right.
1: He was like part of the Peacemakers team in uh, the the Suicide sc- uh, Squad.
2: Oh, that's right.
1: Uh. He was also or she was also in Peggy Sue Got Married. We also have Brian Cox, who plays Lecter in this movie, spelled L-E-K-T-O-R, by the way, in this movie, Mm -hmm. where it's Lecter with a C-H-T-E-R in the rest of the movies, by the way. Oh, okay. Weird. I don't know why they did that. Um, he was in Autopsy of Jane Doe. Excellent performance there. Deadwood, Red, 1 and 2, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Anna Churchill, Super Troopers. He's still acting and has about eight projects right now ready to pop.
0: Mm-hmm. So he's
1: doing really well. <laughs> uh, we have Dennis Farina, who plays Jack Crawford. Pretty recognizable face. He was in Snatch, Get Shorty, Midnight Run, Another Stakeout, Law and Order he was a big part of. Stephen Lang, who you know, you guys know from the movies, don't breathe. He's in this movie. I didn't recognize him until after I started doing the research on this. He's the man of many faces and roles. By the way, do you know which one he was, Christina? No, it was a pretty big role in this movie.
2: Was he the killer? Nope. Who was he?
1: He's the Tattler reporter with the hair.
2: Oh, the guy who. Okay,
1: you can't say. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, he was the tattler reporter with the red hair.
2: Right. That that unrecognizable. I t- un- never
1: recognize him in any of the movies. That is so weird. Insane.
2: Unrecognizable. <laughs>
1: uh, he was in. Uh, of course, he played the character Freddie Lowndes, who's the tattler reporter. It's like a newspaper. He's like it's like a tabloid. He was in Avatar, Don't Breathe franchise, Tombstone, VFW, and more. That's Stephen Lang. We also have Tom Noonan, who played the character Francis Dollarhide, AKA the Red Dragon. <laughs> and he was, of course, as many remember from the Monster Squad. He was Frankenstein, the monster. Oh, friend Sarah. <laughs> um,. He was also the bad guy in RoboCop 2. He was the villain in that that was, like, addicted to drugs. Oh, okay. He got turned into a robot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> FX, he was in The Astronaut's Wife, The House of the Devil, and so many more, which is uh, another Ty West movie, mm-hmm. The House of the Devil, which I just watched X. He did that movie. We got music by the Reds, Kitaro, Klaus Scholes, and Shriekback. And the budget for this movie was around $15 million. And at the box office, it made about eight point six worldwide. About four million North American, mm-hmm. so it didn't do well, right? Christina, what did you think?
2: Well, I really liked this movie. I really liked the plot. I wasn't expecting it. I was, I wasn't expecting it that it was before *Silence of the Lambs*. I thought it was. Oh, after. really? Yeah, but I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's *Silence so of the Lambs*
1: right. was ninety-one.
2: Yeah, which is just a few years uh, later, which is funny. It was shot really well. The music, the soundtrack was really good, even though it was quiet in a lot of places. I loved but it. I, yeah. think, I think it needed that.
1: Dude, it was so and cool then, to see a movie like that with that in it, right? Yeah,
2: it made the pacing really good.
1: The Keep has that same sort of thing, by the way.
2: Oh, does it? Michael Mann likes oh. that kind of like silence. Just he, yeah, he uh, likes to like really
1: kind of get a vibe about it. I guess.
2: Hmm. I think I think it came out at the wrong time, though. Um, it's ahead of time. And then yeah, and I feel like there were. Uh, some. When I was watching it, I think there was some plot holes in it. Unless towards the end, unless I missed something, which you can go over with me later. Um, well, what do you mean by I that? Just go ahead
1: and explain. Not not specifics, but what do you mean?
2: Like I don't understand how a certain person goes from one place to another. Right.
1: They couldn't. They couldn't. And it do didn't the, make
2: any sense because I thought they were still in the the same place they were. So then I got confused.
1: They can't. They can't. And, um. They can't do the whole book.
2: And then also, yeah, but it still was confusing. And then um, I didn't understand like the job, some of the job sites and stuff. I didn't understand. But
1: they correct a they lot had... of those issues in the movie Red Dragon. Oh, okay. So they fill in a lot of gaps.
2: Yeah, but we watched- And they
1: changed some things we in We
2: watched this movie, so-
1: Well, I watched Red Dragon as well, I'm gonna so-
2: t- I'm going to talk about this movie. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh, I didn't like him narrating what the killers was doing. Even though I know he was just like walking around talking it out to himself, it didn't feel natural to me. I I don't I don't know. I I, I mean that's
1: kinda of part of the story. I, mean,
2: I know, but it was the way he was doing it was really annoying to me. Oh, okay. Wow. I mean, I feel like he could have done that a little bit differently. It was off. If it okay. just, it felt off to me. It didn't hit the mark for that's me. It's an odd gripe. There were some long dragged out parts which I felt were unnecessary and made the movie longer cuz this is like a 2 hour movie. What is it? Like 2 hours and 10 minutes. Okay. Um yeah, towards the end like the last 20 minutes was a little dragged out. Uh I do want to watch Hannibal now. It really made me want to watch the Hannibal show. Mm-hmm. That was such a good show. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um also this movie proves that You know, you can't get away with shit like this anymore. Not with DNA and there's cameras everywhere. Like, how he was killing people and stuff. There's, like, no way you'd be able to get... You would be able to... They seem pretty
1: advanced in this movie, I thought.
2: Yeah, with the fingerprinting on the things. But still, they... You know, he got away with it still. Right. And I'm just saying you wouldn't be able to do that now. Okay, all right. I really think you wouldn't be able to. yeah, I mean, Okay. But yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. Nevertheless, I it made me want to watch Silence of the Lambs and like do this whole story. You know, yeah. watch these other stories of this movie. And I gave it a seven out of ten.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah. I liked it a lot more than you. I I, I thought uh, those moments in between. It's very different than any of the other Hannibal movies, like by a long shot. It's uh one of the things that I really liked about it is that. And I I explained earlier that I watched Red Dragon because I did. I ended up watching a lot of the Red Dragon just to see some of the similarities and some of the scenes that they did to see what they kept and what they didn't keep and what they explained and didn't explain. Uh, So we can talk about that in the spoiler sections a little bit. Um, I'm actually kind of sad that I've never seen this before. Like, it's kind of surprisingly good. Like, I was locked in even in the very beginning. This is the director's cut, by the way, for all of those who are wondering, like, Shout Factory put out a director's cut, which is kind of like how they did with the Exorcist 3. Mm Mm-hmm. They put out, like, the the full cut and then, you you know, the regular cut and then the director's cut. Mm -hmm. And you can actually watch the director's cut, which has a lot of extra dialogue that they cut from the original movie. And you can tell because the audio drops out for a little bit and it goes into shittier sound quality.
2: Oh, yeah, I noticed that. I thought it was just, you know, how I was watching it. No,
1: yeah, that's definitely part of it. Oh, okay,
2: okay.
1: (laughs) I was, like, wondering if you were going to say something about that, too.
2: No, I just thought it was an issue on my end. I didn't think it was an actual film issue.
1: Yeah, a lot of the characters in this movie, too, are very... They're in dire situations. Like, there's not not really... Or melancholy, or, you know, they're just, like, floating in this weird ether that Michael Mann has created. It was vibe in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with the OS... Like, the soundtrack and the score that are used in this movie because it's very contradictory as far as, like, what's going on on the screen to... I don't know. It's like kind of like dreamy music, like something that you would get from like Tangerine Dream or something, you know, like it's got that like really like ethereal sort of like dreamy state, you know, like all these noises and shit. Like, I don't know. It really kind of put out this like different vibe about it that I really liked. Mm -hmm. and and maybe it's just because I kind of like the sound of that you know in a movie Mm -hmm. because it feels like it's I don't know it just feels weird and kind of I don't know it just made sense for me there's apparently a reason why he did certain songs in this movie is like cues for the viewer to know that they're supposed to feel a certain way at this certain point and I'll get into more of that later so it's not all great you know it's not like perfect movie or anything but the acting is pretty blasé in a lot of ways and I mean that in a positive sense like the way that these actors act is very smart very like suave Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: like laid back so it's not like there are people like getting angry and yelling and stuff like that in the movie but for the most part they're pretty laid back and just kind of in this world and this like character William Peterson I thought was actually pretty likable in this although I didn't know if I actually bought him being persuaded by the dark side like most Graham stories run Mm -hmm. because the Will Graham is one of the characters that is taunted by he gets into the mind of a killer. And because of that, which, you know, this is a real shit, because even in like the FBI people who came up with the term serial killer, they also got into the minds of these guys so much that they were having really dark thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it was like they couldn't pull themselves out of it. And that's kind of like the appeal of the character of Will Graham in these stories, in the show, in the movies. I don't think the ones with Anthony Hopkins really kind of portray that angle at all.
2: Oh, okay. You I know don't, what I mean? I don't, no, I don't even remember.
1: It's only in the show and in the books.
2: Okay. So, oh, yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, the show, definitely.
1: Personally, I don't think William Peterson did that really well here. But in the same regard, in the actual Red Dragon movie, you've got people like Edward Norton playing Will Graham, mm-hmm. who does a better cop than he does a like tortured soul. Right. So I think William Peterson definitely does better than Edward Norton mm-hmm. in, in a lot of regards. But, you know, Edward Norton does the cop thing pretty good. And he has some pretty good banter with Anthony Hopkins,
2: mm-hmm.
1: whereas kind of William Peterson's role is kind of like more of a victim of, oh, the... of Lecter in this movie. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So Brian Cox also, by the way, playing Lecter, I thought was pretty damn good. I was really impressed by that. I like Brian Cox a lot and I enjoyed seeing him do it. You know, when we talk about like all the different people that could have played the different roles and stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like we're like living in a alternate dimension here where we get to see Brian Cox play Anthony Anthony Hopkins role. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: yeah. That's what you think. Yeah.
1: Granted, you know, Brian Cox isn't as good as Anthony Hopkins, I think. I think Anthony Hopkins really put the character to life. But this is a precursor that many may wonder, hey, did Anthony get some of his cues from this this? Mm-hmm. You know, like right. who's imitating who? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really enjoyable. I think it's well above average uh, what he Brian Cox did here. I thought he did a really good job. This movie also wasn't very gory uh, for a film either, because, you know, what I'm used to is the Anthony Hopkins stories or the Hannibal Lecter show. And those are extremely gory.
2: Right. You know,
1: those are violent as fuck, extremely graphic times. This is more of kind of an afterthought. Um, Although there was like a scene in the beginning of the movie where you get to see like the afterthought blood all over the place mm-hmm. and it's fucked up yeah like you in your mind are put in this position to picture what that scene played out like mm-hmm. and i think they did that intentionally for the viewer to kind of become part of will's mind in that in that and i think that's why they did it plus this was at, at a time where we weren't at that extreme level where we were doing seven levels of like you know crime dramas you know what i mean so it's still really good though and it plays really well with the the music going around there's some moments in the film where this music will play in like a really fucked up situation Mm -hmm. and it's cool like i don't know why it just has a really big impact on me even if the song doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and this one like i said also focuses a little bit more on will graham than like hannibal lecter or the killer you know the Mm -hmm. red dragon or the Tooth Fairy. It is a very similar movie to the Red Dragon, but there are some definite changes that are in the Red Dragon. They show a lot more, you know, than they do in this movie. Oh, the killing, yeah. Yeah. They just don't, they don't get into Graham's head as much. Right. It's a different vibe of a movie because of that. And I almost kind of like the vibe in this one better than Mm -hmm. Red Dragon, but I think Red Dragon shows more. So I think more people would lean towards... Red Dragon overall, just because it gives them more of the goods.
2: But it's good to see both is what right. you saying. Right. I
1: really do like this movie, and I, I think I would give it probably like a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10.
2: Oh, look at us. Yeah. Like,
1: I really, there's something unique about it, and it, I'm really, I don't know, it impressed me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I just, I, I don't think it's perfect or anything like that, but I can see this is a movie that people should have seen
2: and the, yeah, back then and didn't. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but... You didn't know really what it was about until Silence of the Lambs came out and right. won Academy And then Awards. everybody was like,
1: oh, there was that one movie. I, I never watched it. Right. Yeah. I remember that because I remember my dad saying, oh, that's uh, that Manhunter movie or whatever. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't know. I just never watched it. I think mm-hmm. he even owned it, too. So I never
2: mm-hmm. got
1: to see it for some odd reason. I don't know.
2: I think when you're a kid too, that's it's a pretty adult type of movie. Like, yeah, it is very. It's yeah, not like you would, a, You'd kind of be bored, I think, if yeah. you just saw it as like a kid.
1: It's a, well, it's the drama thing. A yeah. lot of people don't like. Yeah. In their horror, sometimes. Yeah. I don't mind it if it's done right, and it's it's tra- right, tragic.
2: Yeah, it's like I said, I liked it. I mean, it there was some dragged out parts. Yeah. But yeah, I liked it.
1: Yeah, we somewhere about seven point two five between the two of us, maybe seven point five. You know, I would love to hear what you guys think. I mean, are you, is this a fan favorite of yours? Do you like the vibe that's in this one versus the other movies? I think the TV show by, I hate to say this, but I, I almost feel like the TV show has moments that are better than, the, than that, all of the movies. All, everything. Yeah.
2: I agree. Although uh, Anthony Hopkins season,
1: yeah. is really the, the selling point for all these things, and that's why they put him in there. But there are some moments where Anthony got a little jokey. A little too much, you know, but it is a little cheesy, little cheesy, you yep. know, but, you know, and how he orchestrates all these things is a little mm-hmm. laughable. But, you know, those are the books, you know, so what right. are you going to do? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's tough. I right. still think this is worth watching if you've never seen it. So if, if if this is your first time even hearing about it, you should definitely check it out. Uh, we watched it on. We had a service that we watched it on. It costs money, but whatever, you know, it's three ninety nine if you want to rent it.
2: It's worth it. Yeah, I think I, I think it's it. worth a
1: watch. I, I
2: would too. I, yeah, I'd buy it.
1: It wouldn't be like the top of my list to get right now,
2: but it's on the list. It's but it's a, on it's, the list. It's on yeah. the Amazon. And list. we
1: don't even own all of the. Um, oh no!
2: Do we even have Silence of the Lambs?
1: We yes, we do because we got all those DVDs for that guy for really cheap.
2: That's right.
1: Remember, we got like we got like over seven hundred like, movies.
2: That's right. That were of like course. Blu-ray
1: and DVD. And it
2: was all the blockbusters. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: So yeah, we 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 upped our collection on the stuff that we wouldn't normally buy. Right. Because <laughs> we like all the weird shit, you know. But anyway, we do have some trivia for this movie that's really interesting. And I'd like to go over that with you guys and talk about that a little bit. If you haven't heard or if you haven't seen this movie, of course, this would be the time to step out and come back or go to the next uh, movie that we talk about, which is The Summer of Sam that we talk spoiler free of first and then get into our spoilers there so you can follow the timestamps down below. But if you don't want anything spoiled, here is your warning. So. The cinematographer, Dante Spinotti made strong use of colors in the film. Did you notice that?
2: Yes, I did. All that... the
1: love scenes were in blue. Yep. Yeah.
2: The, well, with the, All the white when he was running.
1: Yeah, there was like a, it was weird. It's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a subtle thing that a, I think a lot of the older um, generation of filmmaking mm-hmm. probably put into more perspective because I think a lot of that is done in the editing room now. Right. You know, Makes post-production sense. wise anyway. Uh, it says he had the romantic blue to denote the scenes featuring Will Graham and his wife and more subversive green hue with elements of purple or magenta as a cue for the unsettling scenes in the film, mostly involving dollar hide. Peterson had uh, stated that man wanted to create a visual aura to bring the audience into the film so that the story would work on an interior and emotional level. Man also made use of multiple frame rates in the film climatic shootout different cameras recording at the scene at 24, 36, 72 and 90 frames per second. Wow! So he's really meticulous. And that's why the movie like keep <laughs> mm-hmm. went way over budget, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, can you blame him? You want to make the movie you want to make, right? Right. It's hard.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's hard killing all your darling ideas, you know, (laughs) that you feel like would make it perfect. But he wanted to get like sort of an off-tempo kind of feel for it. Mm -hmm. He calls it a staccato feel, which is interesting because he's very into music. So if only man would say something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Spinotti has uh, also commented on how man's use of the mise en scene from uh, when framing shots evokes the emotional situation in the film at the particular time. So when I was talking about them playing those songs like Inagata Da Vida, Baby," you know. Oh, okay. ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. They even have that scene where fucking Dollar hides outside and he thinks that the girl's like getting kissed by the guy. Right. And he like loses yeah, it, which was good. also in Red Dragon, by the way. Oh, was it? Yeah. And- Red Dragon, he walks up to him, straight up shoots him in the fucking head, (laughs) just in the head. Mm -hmm. And then I like Dollarhide's version better. Mm -hmm. I thought that was awesome. Um, But yeah, there was also scenes where Graham visits Lecter in the cell and they pointed out that the the constant position of the cell bars within the frame, even as the shots cut back and forth between the two characters, they still had the shots of the bars
2: Oh, okay. That you know was, what I mean? That was done purposely. Okay.
1: Right. It's like, and what he, Spinotti said, he said, there's nothing in Manhunter that's just a nice shot just because it was. Oh,
0: okay. They were all
1: thought out. Okay. He was like, these are particular shots for atmosphere, whether it's happiness or delusion or disillusion. He said, uh, manipulation or focus of, uh, and editing has become a visual hallmark of the film. So mm-hmm. there was a scene, uh, where Dollar Hyde would have had a big tattoo on his chest for the dragon. Right. That you see throughout the movie.
2: Uh-huh. The
1: artwork, you know. Yeah. It would have been across his chest, and man, and Spinotti felt that the finished result kind of seemed out of place, kind of trivialized the struggle of the character. hmm So they cut the scenes and then redid it.
2: Without the thing. Without
1: it, yeah. Oh, okay. It says Spinotti noted that in doing so, scenes which he felt had been captured with a beautiful aesthetic were lost, as the production did not have the time to recreate the original lighting conditions.
2: Oh, okay. Those are pretty dark. I remember.
1: Yeah. So it kind of sucks, but whatever. What are you going to do? Peterson had a a difficulty uh, kind of ridding himself, the main guy who plays Will Graham, Mm -hmm. of the character.
2: Oh, that's not good.
1: Yeah. So he said, uh, after principal photography wrapped while rehearsing for a play in Chicago, he felt the old character always coming out Mm -hmm. instead of his new role that he was trying to perform as. And to try to rid himself of the character, Peters went to a barber shop where he had them shave his beard, cut his hair, and dye it blonde so that he could look like the mirror, like a different person in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So that it would, like, fuck with his head. Oh, okay. That's how deep he would get into it. Oof. At first, he felt like it was due to the rigorous shooting schedule for Manhunter, but then he said he later realized that it was the character had sort of creeped into him. Oh, which is kind of crazy because I really didn't feel it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's all in your head, buddy. No just kidding.
2: <laughs> I hate to
1: say that, but I really didn't.
2: Yeah, I can. I see didn't that. feel the
1: struggle of him wanting to do it. There was moments in the movie where they, like, you know, when he's talking to his son and shit
2: uh-huh. about
1: what, why he, because it's like, why son, he he's gone. like, did they tell you where I went, son? Oh, to the asylum? Yeah, after he caught Hannibal Lecter. Right. And he went to the asylum because he was losing it. He was like, I was at the hospital, but they went to the, the psychiatrist there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He said, "And you know, there were a lot of, you know, they, there was a lot of bad thoughts that I got mixed up and I wasn't sure if they were my own. And he was like, what kind of thoughts, dad? It's like, really bad thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: worst kind, son. Mm-hmm. Kevin, the worst kind. That's what he says.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, ooh, you know, like. Yeah,
2: that was more believable than him narrating the crime scene
1: yeah i agree i I don't know it's I think he just they wanted to show him being emotional in the in the in the crime scene because he's always on the tail of catching these guys mm-hmm. and and he you can tell he's like got troubles about the families and seeing them because of how he talks about them. But in the way that he talks about them, he's also kind of talking in the way that the killer would talk about them mm-hmm. and how they bloom and all this other weird shit that's like very unbecoming and why he had to be alone and didn't want to talk to his wife about the different things. Mm -hmm. So uh, there is the scene in which uh, Peterson's character falls asleep while studying the crime scene photography.
2: Mm -hmm. Remember the
1: little girl sees it on the airplane?
2: Yeah, it was one of my favorite parts.
1: That was cool, right? Yeah, it was. Like, because he's just so tired. Well, there's a really interesting story on that. Michael Mann had been unable to gain permission to use an airplane for the scene. So he actually booked tickets for the crew on a flight from Chicago to Florida. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And then when they were on board.
2: <laughs> they filmed it.
1: They filmed it.
2: Oh, my God. Gorilla
1: that's style that's without permission.
2: So who is it? So was the little girl like somebody, somebody they worked with this little girl?
1: No, no, no. I'm sure it was. Yeah. yeah it was are okay. actor. They wouldn't just randomly pull that know. shit. They had to shoot the scene quickly while keeping the passengers and crew mollified with uh, Manhunter crew jackets. That's what they. Oh, OK. So they like told them to shut the fuck up. Uh-huh. I thought that was cool.
2: That is cool. That's that. That's really cool. See that. You know, I'm sure
1: that happens a lot. You always hear stories like that with like smaller budget films, mm-hmm. but not bigger budget films. You know what I mean? Like because right. they will get sued. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you hear him like in stuff like Frank Cannon films where he had like one of the actors run down the street naked in the middle of New York City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like straight up, like get out and run. And he's like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, run. And then he drove away. And then the actor had to run back to the fucking vehicle to get the shot. Uh Uh-huh. So it's just, you know, that's just, you know, that's crazy shit. That
2: is. (laughs) It's like old school shooting,
1: man. Um, During the principal photography, Noonan asked that uh, no one playing his victims and or pursuers would be allowed to see him. While those he did speak to should address him by his character's name, Francis, Mm -hmm. the whole time. On or off cassette.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: The first time Noonan met Peterson was when Peterson jumped through that large window at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) during the uh, climatic fight scene. Right. Yeah. Noonan was like... (laughs) (laughs) Noonan was like, because of his request, the atmosphere on the set became super tense.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: That people actually became afraid of him. Oh, wow. He had also begun bodybuilding to prepare for the role, and he felt like this... His size intimidated the crew when filmmaking began, because he's really tall.
2: Yeah, totally. Really
1: tall. (laughs) He even had to take separate flights in between different locations, Mm -hmm. you know, different hotels from the rest of the cast. And and while on the film sets, he would remain in his trailer alone in the dark to prepare himself, sometimes joined by a, a silent man. (laughs) which I think he played a character called Silent Man too in a movie oh really? yeah so that's weird some people get it's weird you know you think about these movies like they're you know it's good but it's not that good
2: you know what (laughs) I mean like
1: like, but I mean I like that that people will dedicate themselves although you hear people like uh, what's his name in uh, Morpheus
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Morbius. Yeah. I heard, I watched the TikToks of the ex crew members and the ones who got right. fired because Jared Leto like kicked him off the set. Dude, Jared Leto oh would like spend like
1: three, four, five hours before coming to the set.
2: And he was like drinking blood and shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Dude, that's a little
1: much, you yeah. know? Like, and then nobody likes him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have any opinion about the movie because I haven't seen it yet. Right. If I like it, I'll like it. You know what I mean? Right. But I mean, he's just out of control. (laughs) (laughs) So during the filmmaking of this movie, it's funny because Sir Anthony Hopkins was playing King Lear at the National Theater.
0: Mm -hmm. At
1: National Theater. During the filmmaking of The Silence of the Lambs of 1981 or 1991, Brian Cox was playing King Lear at the National Theater.
2: Oh, spooky. (laughs) Isn't that kind of weird? I don't know, because a lot of times, um, since Broadway is always No, no, I I
1: get it. But the fact that they were both making different movies at different times about the same same character character. and then playing the same character on different fucking movie or, you know, different things. eh, It's a little coincidental, you know? Okay. Uh, Brian Cox also said in in an interview that he based his portrayal of Dr. Hannibal Lecter on a Scottish serial killer known as Peter Manuel. Mm -hmm. So, because he's a Scot, of course. Um, Although you wouldn't hear it in his voice at all. Mm -hmm. But he's just got that thing about him. I don't know what it is. Like, if you get him all boisterous and loud and stuff, I can see him in a younger age more than I could.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Ted Levine, by the way, actually came to the rap party I don't mean, like, where they were, like, rapping.
2: (laughs) The wrap up the movie party. (laughs) Wrapping up the movie. Yo,
1: what's up? My name is Ted Levine. I'm not a motherfucking killer, but I will be soon if you know what I
2: mean. (laughs) That was good.
1: All right. Anyway,
2: <laughs> so the
1: funny thing is, is he said he went to the rap party because he was friends with William Peterson. He was friends with him from Chicago because they used to act together at a theater there, mm-hmm. and they had a chance meeting with the writer director Michael Mann that led to an audition and his casting in Mann's crime story movie mm-hmm. from 1980, 90, 1986. And Levine, of course, got to play Buffalo Bill.
0: Oh, in
1: the Doctor Hannibal Lecter stories. Of the Silence of the Lambs in 1991, oh. which technically ruined his career. Uh huh. Because nobody wanted to hire him after that.
2: Yeah, I imagine.
1: Yeah. He's really good, you know, if he talks all, he's talking. <laughs> you know, he's like got that fucking Fred Gwynn talk, kind of talk, you know, a little bit. Like something's in his mouth or something. Like, I'm trying to fight around it just to just talk.
2: <laughs> Your accent, it gets all over the place. Yeah.
1: He just got that weird thing, because we watched uh, The Mangler recently,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I just like Ted Levine's voice in it. It's just great. Mm-hmm. Um, writer-director Michael Mann was reportedly inspired to have Iron Butterflies in Agata DeVita De on the soundtrack because a convicted killer in Texas named Dennis Wayne Wallace, who claimed In Agata DeVita, was a love song that spiritually connected him to the woman he murdered. So you thought it would be a good song to use. Okay. (laughs) Way to go.
2: Okay, good. (laughs)
1: Uh, According to an interview with Brian Cox also, the following actors were considered to be Dr. Lecter before like they were going to be picked. And you'd be interesting to see. You got Brian Dennehy, Bruce Dern, John Lithgow, and Mandy Patinkin. Patinkin? Patinkin? Yeah, I don't know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) But I know John Lithgow and Bruce Dern... That's crazy. John Lithgow did that movie, The Raising Kane.
2: Oh, okay. Where he
1: had the split personality. Right. I think it was split. It's
2: an old movie. Yeah. We have it.
1: I bought it. Remember we got it at the they got it at the uh Goodwill.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, on DVD or something. We watched it and we thought it was did kind we? of fun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we watched it. I don't
2: it. even remember.
1: I think we were gonna review it. I don't remember. Also, David Lynch was considered to be one of the people that might direct this film, which I would have been all for. Mm-hmm. And David Cronenberg. So both of them had options to be able to do this. And to be honest with you, I think they both could have done it. Mm-hmm. Totally. If Michael Mann could do it, no offense to him. I think those two guys could for sure. And it would be like a weird fucking movie yeah, it too. Weird. There would be some really weird scenes in David Lynch's. And then there would be some weird physical scenes in fucking like Cronenberg's as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's like kind of like a perfect fit for both of them, actually. Mm-hmm. Oddly totally. enough. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for all the trivia and stuff like that. Now we can kind of talk about some of our scenes and things that we like. Um,
2: what did you think about that first scene? Um, it took me a a minute to figure out what's going on. There was a lady laying in the bed and then it was just a flashlight on her. And then her eyes like, I I thought I liked that. It was freaky.
1: That was kind of a scene that they cut. I think it was in the director's cut. Oh, is that what we watched? Yeah, because if you remember later on, remember when yeah. Noonan's like having the daydream about um women and he's like shining the light in their eyes and they he puts the Because what they don't explain this, but when he kills them, he puts the,
2: yeah, the broken the glass
1: eyes. in their eyes and in their mouth. Yeah,
2: which yeah he was gonna do, but but that lady was that who just got killed, that family who just got killed.
1: Right, but it was it was Graham I don't know. Maybe it was Graham thinking this dreaming thing or.
2: Oh, no, I thought it was actually because he he taped the killing. So I thought, okay, it was it was it was the tooth fairy taping that next family who got killed, which led Graham over to. I don't know. know, I can't
1: remember exactly where it was. Okay. it was one of the two of them dreaming. Either they wanted Will Graham to be having the vision in his head because he's getting too close to the subject matter or fucking Noonan and they just didn't show his face.
2: No, because because he recorded the killing and it was it was right at the beginning. It was the first scene. And then and then it, it was the family who got killed. Oh, they because probably- he showed the video again later in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I was just saying I liked I liked that scene because you didn't know what was going on.
1: Oh, okay. I thought it was a dream sequence. It,
2: no, it wasn't a I didn't think it was a dream sequence. Well, because it was
1: blurry and I didn't realize we were watching the director's cut because it didn't say on Oh, okay.
2: Oh, because it, it it was it was a weird shot because it was a flashlight mm-hmm. and they were sleeping.
1: Yeah, and they wake up so and they it look looked, at the light. It looked yeah.
2: blurry. Yeah, and they woke up and then they got killed. Right. They just didn't show them get killed. But then you figure out, oh, you know, towards the middle.
1: Right. I was just kind of like, I think I wasn't paying that close attention in that moment because I was just kind of in awe of all the music and stuff Mm -hmm. and like the pacing of it in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it. And I was just kind of like thinking, Mm -hmm. like kind of wandering in my brain or whatever. So
2: I I liked how pushy the press guy was from the beginning.
1: Stephen Lang. Yeah,
2: Stephen Lang. (laughs) Now that we know. And how he picked him, he he went up to Graham and was like hounding him, and then did Graham, he flip
1: the motherfucker on the yeah, hood? yeah on
2: the hood of the car and broke the windshield? I thought that was funny.
1: Um, do you know who plays that character in the Red Dragon movie? Who he's not with us anymore, but it was Philip Seymour Hoffman.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: and oh, that's and funny. Norton slams him up against a car. Mm-hmm. Well, fucking, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Harvey Keitel, who's in that movie, by the way.
2: Oh yeah, I see. He pushes
1: him back a little bit, so it's not as wow. crazy. And El- Emily Watson plays the blind girl.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, and Mary Louise Parker is the wife. Yeah. Okay. Ralph
1: Fiennes or mm-hmm. plays the red dragon guy.
2: Okay, that's funny. So,
1: um, but one of my favorite things is when they when when uh, Will Graham goes to see Lecter. Mm -hmm. I love that whole situation. Oh,
2: yeah. I love how it was shot, too. Yeah.
1: And and, and they're back and forth. He's like, what makes you think I will help you? He's like, well, I didn't say you would. I came to you and you were either going to take it or leave it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, show me the file. No.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Can I keep the file?
1: Yeah can I call you in your home number? Like that whole shit. I was like, what
2: did you think about when, uh, later on when he was given the telephone and he like MacGyvered that shit. Yeah.
1: That's not going to happen to
2: get. Yeah. I know. But still
1: like it is an oversight by the company place. By the way, that, that whole jail area Mm -hmm. just, they don't show the jail, but it's actually a museum. That they I kind of figure
2: because it was all white.
1: Yeah, it's... The
2: whole thing was white. And the Well,
1: they do that in some places.
2: So, the, and the, the the part when... Well, usually museums, like a lot of museums are all white.
1: I don't think that has anything to do but with it.
2: anyway... They don't have
1: bars in them, though, do they?
2: No, but they probably put it there for the movie. too. Sir, you're
1: under arrest for not liking this art.
2: And I wanted to mention the part when he... So, when he left and you went running out of the cell, Graham did... And when he was zigzagging, I thought that was a cool scene.
1: Right. There was a part, though, that I want to mention before that where they have this back and forth, and he's like, Well, Graham's like, I know that I'm not smarter than uh, than you. And Hannah Lecter's like, Then how did you catch me? He's like, You had disadvantages. And he's like, What disadvantages? He's like, You're insane.
0: <laughs> like yes.
1: Which I remember Edward Norton's character doing something similar along that. Mm-hmm. But it's more of an angry thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit more back and forth, so um did you crest did Oh, did you catch Chris Elliott, by the way, in this movie?
2: Oh, yeah, just for a second. That's that's what his name was. I meant to look him up. He's
1: playing like a crime scene investigator, like one of the people that's putting together all the work.
2: He's just sitting in a meeting. Right, because they find the toilet
1: paper, remember? They find the toilet paper.
2: So they have to decode the note on the toilet paper. And they have
1: to do it within four hours, which would not not happen, by the way. Oh,
2: not now. Yeah, no.
1: But they do that in the other Red Dragon movie, but they have a blackout to cover it.
2: Mm-hmm. And Hannibal
1: Lecter knows that he they did the blackout in the other movie mm-hmm. to do it. He's like, nice. Uh, that was a nice choice you had there. Grab him for your blackout. <laughs> I'm sorry, Anthony Hopkins here. <laughs> Just go with it, guys. Where
2: are we? <laughs> <laughs> what dimension of, of fucking Silence of the Lambs are we in I'm paying right on my
1: legs, Christina. Shut up. <laughs> I love the scene where Hide kills Francis mm-hmm. in front of the, the blind girl's house. That's still... Oh, yeah. So the song, too. I love the song, too. It's by the Reds. Yeah,
2: it was good. That part was good. I forget what the name
1: of the song is, but it's the Reds, the band.
2: I think one of my favorite parts was when they were staging the the setup to bust the Red Dragon like they got him after, you know, they decoded the the fucking toilet paper and stuff. Okay. And so, you know, there's a guy running and they assume he like, this is the Tooth Fairy running. And so, take my wallet. Man. Yeah, he slams him down on the ground, and the guy just—the guy who was running, who got slammed on the ground, grabs his wallet to hand it to him. Yeah, he's like, And they were like, "Oh, stop!" And then the guy's like, "Aren't you going to arrest him? He's trying to mug me." <laughs>
1: I think they had a scene like that in the uh, other movie, too. Oh, did they? I thought. It's a, those great. are scenes that are in the book. Like I said, the. the That's great. Yeah, that is a good scene. Uh, it's weird seeing the two compared because I, I watched that one first. So it's like, am I partial to the one I just saw mm-hmm. or the one, you know, like, which does it matter? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just weird seeing all the different scenes, you know, together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the part where they they get Lounge, the Tatler uh, reporter, which is Stephen Lang. And he's like how uh, Dollar Hyde, a.k.a. the Red Dragon, or Red Dragon, is, like, toying with him. And he shows him his face a little bit. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, God, don't show me your face, man. I see your face. <laughs> You're going to kill me. He's like, you wrote those lies about me, though, didn't you, Mr. Lounge?
2: Because
1: <laughs> he called him, like, homophobic or something or homoerotic. And he had a complex about his oh. mom. Oh,
2: that's right. Because they used to the toddler guy.
1: To do it and I love uh both both in, in the Red Dragon, I love I'm sorry, I keep comparing it, but I have to. <laughs> in Red Dragon, there's a really cool part where I think it's in both the movies. I can't remember. Now I'm getting confused.
0: Oh uh, I that's know not good.
1: But he's like he's like, How's it feel to have your first kill, Mr. Graham? <laughs> you know what I mean? huh. He's like, What do you mean? He's like, Well, yeah, that was a quite the number you pulled on Mr. Lounge there for the Tatler
0: hmm
1: And uh and uh, it was like, Oh shit. You know, they don't really kind of get into Edward Norton's character that much like that. But for William, for Will Graham in this movie, mm-hmm. they kind of do so. But I, I just love that. I love that he's now calling him a murderer. Mm-hmm. So because he's too close to the flames. <clears throat> so you didn't like the end scene where they were like playing in a and stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I liked it. OK, I got. OK, I got confused. Because, okay, when he was stalking her in front of her house and then he shot the guy, right? And Mm. then they they just kind of cut. They cut and went back to Graham and them, you know, trying to figure out shit. And then... um, The blind
1: girl's, like, hiding in the corner.
2: Yeah, and then they... So, they get his address and they're like, oh, yeah, let's go. So, did the Tooth Fairy take her to his house Yes. Or, okay, that's where I was like, are they still at her house? How did they get her address? Yeah, because
1: after he killed the 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 friend who was played by another guy in the other movie. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, like in the, I'm trying to think here. He, yeah, he goes and he tells the blind girl, he was like, yeah, he's gone. He's never going to return again ever, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then apparently he takes her back to his
2: place. Mm-hmm. Which okay. She's
1: scared and she doesn't know yeah. where she how is. How does
2: she not know that's him? She should know his she voice. She knows it's
1: him because of his voice.
2: Oh, she still seemed like really like out of it. Like she didn't well, know. Well, because she what said his was she
1: she thought it was her friend at first who just
2: left. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, but then she was like, Who is this? Who are you? Yeah. And I'm like, You should know his voice. You just fucked him. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: Boy, did she. Huh? <laughs> she rode that little serial cock all it's, the way home. Oh
2: my god, that's too much. <laughs> Um,
1: After watching the fucking next movie, we, that's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing.
2: Anyway. But, she,
1: but yeah, they, there's a in the Red Dragon movie, it takes a lot longer till they get to that point. If they mm-hmm. even have sex at all. I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. But there is that whole like, I love that angle in the in the story. I think that's a really cool angle to have in the story that uh-huh. there's this blind girl and he's doing these like super sweet things for her. Like he takes her to the a tiger. Right in the movie, that was actual real tiger. Okay,
2: that's that's a that's a yeah, real, a real tiger, tiger, tiger that was asleep.
1: And it's a real veterinarian.
2: Yeah. Now then, I got confused because that part too, because she's working in a photo lab and she's blind. Okay. And then uh, I thought they were still in the photo lab when she went to go to go um listen to the tiger. No, you
1: said he wanted to take her somewhere for a surprise. They, and they she cut was like it,
2: okay, <laughs> but they cut it so fast it was like yeah. uh, I didn't even. See think they left.
1: Yeah, they usually cut out the parts where people go to the bathroom too. They don't they don't keep those in.
2: <laughs> Leave me alone.
1: <laughs> I'm just fucking around. <laughs> but now this one in particular does cut out a lot more than the other movie. They show a lot more. Um I think it's because Man's movie is there's a lot of like empty space in a lot of the parts. Mm-hmm. So the the Red Dragon movie's like flows faster. Or oh, okay. it's just Red Dragon. I keep saying the Red Dragon. Right. That's like an old movie from the 60s. It's called Red Dragon.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: God damn it, Alex.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, well um, the end scene, they, you know, they see Noonan's character, the Dollar Hyde, the Tooth Fairy, a.k.a. Red Dragon, like, on top of her trying to cut her with a shard of glass that he punched out of the mirror in the bathroom, which, I mean, I, and then he was, like, crushing up the pieces of the... So he could put it in her eyes or whatever.
2: Because that's what he sees.
1: And then Graham just decides, I'm just going to charge a window, like a fucking plate (laughs) glass fucking window. What did
2: you think about that scene? I didn't
1: know why he was doing that. It's so weird. Why didn't he just shoot him behind, like, between it? Yeah,
2: that was like the climax of the ending, though, because, you know, then he just kind of died and then it was over.
1: Because he's crashed into me, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what the symbolism was, <laughs> that he was going to break the barrier that would keep kept him back from being a human. Oh, and now you know. he was going to be a killer. And that was like the symbology uh, behind it that Michael Mann wanted. Is He's it... breaking the barrier now to become one as Noonan.
2: He should have just pulled a Dexter. You know <laughs> what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> Had his dad tell him where to kill <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so the funny part is when they shoot fucking Noonan's character, right? You know, the the blood's like pooling up behind him, underneath him. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to spread out like wings, and they actually had a hard time getting the, the actor Noonan up off the ground. He's stuck.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: To the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was also supposed to accent the, the chest tattoo as well.
2: Oh, okay. So yeah. So they, they missed that. Okay. Yeah. It was
1: all supposed to be in there and part of this whole thing, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. So... Then of course you know he goes back home and everything's normal. He's like back to like breeding sea turtles or some shit. I don't mm-hmm. know what the fuck. Yeah,
2: whatever. So. But we got another movie.
1: <laughs> I think and think for Edward Norton's character. He was like yacht. He got back on his yacht. And he goes yacht surfing or yacht riding or whatever. <laughs> yacht boating, something? Yeah.
2: Rich people shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> white people shit. Yeah,
2: white, white, rich people shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Someone's like, I
2: can't stand this
1: pod. Why are you pushing all this agenda on me? <laughs> Calm down, dude. You'll be alright. Words happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we got another movie that we're going to talk about, and that is Summer of Sam. Christina, you want to do the honor?
2: Spike Lee's take on the son of Sam murders in New York City during the summer of 1977, 1977, centering on the residents of an Italian-American northeast Bronx neighborhood. Hey,
1: that's right. It's like German-Italian fucking, uh, you know, Irish style.
2: Who live in fear and distress, distrust of one another. Tagline, summer of 77 was a killer.
1: I don't like that they put the A. So it should have been like, summer of 77 was killer.
2: I know. Was a killer.
1: Yeah, I don't like that.
2: <laughs> well, there was. it was just one killer.
1: Was it? Because the people became killers.
2: Okay. That's bears. a little too bit too deep for me. This was directed by Spike Lee. You know him? He did Black's Klansmen.
1: Which is great, by he, the way. And
2: I also forgot he did that old boy remake from twenty thirteen. Dude,
1: wait. There's this scene I gotta mention this in Black Klansmen where what's his name who played the 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 dark side in Star Wars he was the villain.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah,
1: he's in it. Uh-huh. I can't think of his name. Right. But he's, like, a real, like, gets in there kind of, like, actor and, like, mm-hmm. has to, like, get into the character. His character is, like, undercover cop playing a oh, racist.
2: that infiltrates the Klu the Klan. Yeah. Uh-huh. And
1: then he sees somebody and he has to shoot at him. And he says the N-word and everything like that. Ooh. And I've seen some people do TikToks. They're like, damn. Oof. Because <laughs> saying that a little too freely there but you know it's for the role right, obviously it's right. a great movie i
2: haven't seen it you
1: yet. really need i watched it on the flight that one time
2: yeah i remember so anyway oh he did the remake of old boy i didn't know from, that yeah i which yeah i forgot from 2013 he did girl 6 1996 Clockers.
1: I remember Girl 6. I saw that in the theater, yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I
2: saw that, too. Malcolm X was a big one for him, and Jungle Fever was a big yep. one from him. That was he, the
1: biggest for him. It was the first one that blew up.
2: Yeah, he also directed... Danny
1: Aiello was in that as well.
2: hmm He also directed the Naughty by Nature Hip Hop Parade video, Arrested Development's Re- Revolution, Public Enemies Fight the Power. Fight the Power. Um, in 2020, Spike Lee did a documentary called David Burns American Utopia. Based on the Broadway show and tour. David, David Burns
1: is in Talking Heads? Yes. Oh, nice.
2: Also, the Psycho Killer Psycho song killer. is in this movie. Kiss, kiss say. So he must be like a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> it was also written by Victor Colosino. Coloscio? Coloscio. Colaschio. <laughs> I don't know. Who plays Chicky in the movie, this movie. um, He also was an inside man and the brave one. Um, this was also written by Michael Imperioli. So,
1: Imperioli.
2: Imperioli. Sorry, I'm. It's I, tough. No, it's, yeah, it's fine. It's Go hard. ahead. Okay. Uh, he played Midnight, the male uh, dancer theater owner. Owner in this movie. Oh, okay. Okay, but you will probably recognize him from The Sopranos. Yes. He played Christopher. Um, he has also been in like every Spike Lee film. And yeah, he worked
1: eight. behind the pizza counter in The uh, Jungle Fever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And he was in Goodfellas, Bad Boys, and uh, The Last Man Standing.
1: Nice. I'd recognized them. It's just been a while since I've seen any of those. So. Exactly.
2: Uh, John Leguizamo stars in this movie as Vinny, who start. <laughs> did you know he started out in the music video for Madonna's Borderline?
1: I do remember that. Yeah. yeah
2: I do too. Uh, then he was in Die Hard 2, Super Mario Brothers, Two Wong Fu, Spawn, Donwick, and shit. A ton of stuff, and which then,
1: we love to wong fu. That's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, great it's movie. stupid, I love it. but it's we like the other one better, but it's Priscilla still funny. Queen of the Desert. Yeah,
2: gotta say it. Oh, and he's <clears throat> done a shit ton of voice work for like Ice Age and recently Encanto. Okay. He has a shit ton, ton of stuff coming out too. Uh, Adrian Brody plays Richie, he was in the village, King Kong from 2005, Splice, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Predators, and They're-
1: the Jacket. Remember the jacket no. where he can go back in time as long as he wears a jacket and then they slide him into a, a box? He
2: quantum leaps that shit. I'm being
1: serious. It was what the story was about.
2: That's weird. Uh, uh, Mira, Mira Servino, who plays uh, Donna- Diana Diana. You probably recognize her from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. <laughs> uh, she was I like a- that movie for some <laughs> dumb reason. <laughs> she was a factory wor- worker in The Stuff from 1985. Huh. I know her as a child from the drama series Swans Crossing from 1992, which uh, also started uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's career. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in Mimic, 1997. More recently, she's been on shows American Crime Stories, The Impeachment, and Shining Veil. It's
1: funny that you said, what's her name? Who was uh, the other girl?
2: Other Played what? Buffy. Oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar.
1: Yeah, she was. I think they were talking about having her in this movie.
2: Oh, well, it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah. She was going to be one of the. It's
2: probably the same casting agency. Well, yeah, that's
1: what I'm saying. Like, they all kind of like wax yeah, each other's. Exactly. You know, work with each other's stuff.
2: Jennifer Esposito plays Ruby. She played Susan on The Boys. Oh. Yep. Holy I, shit. Uh, she was in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, Dracula 2000 and Crash. Huh. Michael Risp- Rispoli. Rispoli. Plays Joey T. Joey T. He was in Kick-Ass, Death to Smoochie, and a a bunch of others. Uh, Mike Starr, who plays Richie's dad, was in Dumb and Dumber.
1: Yes! Uh, oh, fucking I was like, Are you yeah! Gonna say who? What's? I was telling the story because I love that story. He paused
2: where, the movie to let me know who he played in Dumb and Dumber. I was like, yeah.
1: Do you remember in, in Dumb and Dumber when they're like in the car and they get they pick up that guy who I think he owes him money or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they sit him in the middle and he's like, you know what? You ever heard what the most annoying sound in the world is?
2: <laughs> Whatever. Oh, you don't have to do it.
1: <laughs> fucking dude, that guy flipped the fuck out. So when you see him angry in that movie, it's real. It's real. Mm -hmm. Jim Carrey knew it and pushed it anyway because he knew that he was going to get the right reaction for the right take. Mm -hmm. That's how good Jim Carrey was for that moment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now he's like all like he would never do something like that. He would never
2: do something like that. Yeah. Uh, He also played the voice of Lou in Fight Club. Uh, He was at 3 a.m. and Snake Eyes. Mm. And then we finally have Beatrice uh, Beatrice. Newworth, who plays the salon owner, you probably recognize her. She was Fraser's Fraser's wife on Cheers. She was in Jumanji and How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. The budget on this movie was twenty two million dollars And it
1: made a budget of about fourteen million. Or it got it at the box. Oh, at the
2: box, about fourteen million. Yeah. Which would make it a bomb.
1: Yeah, it came out at the exact same time as another movie, which I will discuss about here just now.
2: And what's your thoughts on this movie? Well,
1: I saw this movie the night the Blair Witch Project came out because the theater we were supposed to be in, I remembered this now, was so full. We had just missed the line and they were like, we can put you in a free movie if you want to go to the next showing. Mm. And we were like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. So we went and watched Summer of Sam that night. And then we went and saw fucking Blair Witch that night, which I could never do that right now. Like, never. That's
2: a lot. Yeah. This is like a two and a half hour movie.
1: I couldn't do it. I would fall asleep instantly. There's no way. (laughs) but I think I remembered it fonder this movie in particular summer of Sam than it was for me this time. I think like there's some stuff in it that I really do like about the movie. And I think John Leguizamo does a fantastic job. This is one of the better films that he's ever done. He really gets into the character. I mean, he does his own voice, obviously, but he really just kind of embodied this character. And like, he is probably the strongest talent in this movie. Mm-hmm. he outshines Adrian Brody. Let's put it that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Although Mira Sorvino really does open up a little bit later. A lot of the cast is kind of eh. some of the, some of the local friends, you know, like fucking Tommy T and fucking Joey T and all of them are great. They're great together. Like they do have that whole New York style fucking down. There's a lot of sex in this movie. And it's, oh my God, and is. I don't mean like, oh God, it's sex. Like, I don't mind seeing boobs. I don't, none of that shit's shocking to me. I don't give a fuck. But it's in the movie so much
2: more than the killing.
1: Right. Which, you know, it just becomes really redundant. And part of the reason I think that it was is because one, Spike Lee doesn't shy away from that kind of subject matter. Two, Originally, I think he was supposed to have Adrian Brody's character be the main star, but because of John Leguizamo's like on the fly acting style, like Mm
2: -hmm. just doing it. Mm -hmm. He
1: loved it. So he just kind of went with it and changed the script. Oh, okay. So they kind of went more into deeper into his sex addiction and all this other stuff because John Leguizamo has a sex addiction addiction in this movie. And, he, you know. Obviously, one of the characters is is going to have a lot of sex all the time because he's oversexed. So they're going to follow him around. But it just takes up a lot of the movie. Like there's not yeah, like it, it. it really is. And it's not like, again, I'm not I'm not like I don't hate sex in a movie. It just doesn't phase me. It doesn't do anything for me either. You know what I mean? It's
2: like, give me a break. We know you're cheating on your wife, right? Like, ugh.
1: like, but they like have these long <laughs> scenes that are kind of like if you were to watch uh, Requiem for a Dream constantly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like where they have sex scenes in there for these long times, and it's supposed to be shocking. You know, a little bit because he's like, I don't know, there's he's ruining his marriage, etc. I'm not going to explain how, but sex is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It just I just don't think it was it was that interesting of a plot device personally. The story is interesting though once it steps outside of that. It does it doesn't always feel as authentic probably, but again, John Leguizamo is stealing the show and good for him because he did a really good job. Adrian Brody does good here too, but he I mean, he even looks the part.
2: Mm, totally. Like he has
1: this spiked hair like a fucking, you know, punk kid would, but this is 1977, guys. Punk is not big there in the United States yet. So Spike Lee really did a kind of overstep here on just how popular that scene was. Now, there were punks, but not like they were in this movie. You know what I mean? The, The type of punks he shows in this movie are very mid 80s punk where it was like blowing up, you know? And they even try to write it away because Richie went to England for something and -hmm. he comes back with a fake British accent or something, or I don't know what the fuck he was saying. They do, like, the only band that I can remember back in the day was the Dead Boys, like, that would be considered the first punks and they were in the 70s, they were a popular band. I even have two of their albums. I used to have their vinyls. And uh, he even mentions, Richie mentions in the movie about the Dead Boys. So kudos to them on that. But if they knew that, why wouldn't they know that there would be no punk scene?
2: (laughs) Well, CBGB's was open. Right. But it was
1: different. It was different. I don't know. To the movie's credit, Richie does does mention that one thing about the dead boys. So I don't know. It's just a little troublesome when you're doing a movie that's supposed to be representative of an era or a time frame. It's just a little troublesome. I remember the guy who played Berkowitz in this movie playing a better role than he did too and he really wasn't in this movie very much. He's always just kind of freaking out in the corner in the movie Mm -hmm. and I don't think he looked too much like him but, you know, that's a tall order because David Berkowitz was a very different looking individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wasn't you know, you're not going to find many people that look like him, in, in other words. So he had a couple of funny moments in the in the movie as far as being a killer, which isn't really funny. But I'm just saying there are funny moments in this movie that deal with him. So it was OK. But I do like the idea of the, the trouble with mainstream media. And how it was like spinning people out of control and how it spins this neighborhood out of control and it spins all these friends out of control. And
2: they're going against each other. Yeah, and- like
1: it. you would think that it would cause this mass hysteria. And it was during a time where there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't know what to do. They were protecting their own streets. They were trying to make sure that, you know, this killer wasn't out there killing anybody. So I don't know. Seeing inklings of that sort of mainstream thing that we see even in today was kind of interesting for me. So I kind of like that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I do like movies that take place during a time of like modern-ish time. So 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, as long as it, if it goes back to like 1873, I usually have a hard time, you know, although I did like The Cursed, so that one was okay. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. It's kind of cool. I just kind of would have reached a little further into the reality of this movie, and it would have made it a better movie if it was a little bit more, I don't know, representative of the times than just topping topical bullshit mm-hmm. so i don't know i still liked it though and i would give it a seven out of ten it's just extra long and it it, it it takes it, some stuff could have been removed
2: exactly what do you think yeah it was not an easy watch for me at all
1: <laughs> yeah we were you um, want to explain
2: no um <laughs> it was long
1: we couldn't watch it in front of certain people
2: it was long. There was a lot of unnecessary dialogue and like pointless montages throughout the whole thing. Yeah. A lot of just pointless dialogue um and it's pretty much a it's a I thought it was going to be more about like the actual killer or the crime. And instead it was just kind of sprinkled through and it was just the story of like the neighborhood. Well, I'm going to bring this up
1: real quick and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to because it's poignant. You're right about that. Definitely. I agree. Uh, Part of the reason why is because Spike Lee at the time was getting a lot of pushback from the families of the, the murderer and they didn't want it to glorify it all. So his original cut was going to deal with the killer more.
2: Oh, but in respect for oh, that's nice. Quentin Tarantino did it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Did
2: it uh, pay that respect and yeah, once upon a time also, in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah,
1: but they also beat the shit out of that guy too. So it's like, <laughs> right, and it's really funny.
2: <laughs> right, but still, they were the families weren't happy about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, he really. <laughs> Dude, the end of that movie is so fucking funny, dude.
2: It really is.
1: uh, uh, uh that's a that's a scene for the books. Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue. I just wanted to mention it because it is true. He was going to have more of that.
2: Mm-hmm. I really the music. The music was really good, and it it was it was to the era. Sure. But it, again, it was kind of like sprinkled in. I totally buy the soundtrack more than like this movie. Sure. Um, Spike Lee does not make a good TV anchor. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do not think he did good. He
1: was doing it kind of jokingly, too, though. Yeah.
2: But also, if you notice, like everyone involved in the movie acted in the movie. Right. So, I mean, you know, they used everybody, which is, you know, that's kind of cool, too. They probably
1: just used him as a fun little spot. Mm-hmm.
2: But doesn't Spike Lee put himself in all his movies, which is fine. I'm just I think saying. so. Yeah. I I think it does, too. Well, that's cool. I like that because it's like Easter eggs, you know? Yeah. Oh, there's the director, blah, blah, blah. Right. I would, I ugh, I just, it's too long. Again, like I said before, there's more sex in this movie than there is killings. <laughs> and I mean, and it's not
1: even like good sex. Like, it's just.
2: It's like, oh, it's kind of uncomfortable. Like, oh, God, I don't want to watch. I'm like, yes, you're cheating on your wife, dude. We get it. Right. Like, got it. Thanks. It's just kind
1: of, it's like, it's like just heavy foreplay for long periods of time.
2: Anyway. Um, if they would have cut it all out, I'm sure it would have been an hour and a half. You know, <laughs> it's true. Um, but I It'd probably yeah, less. I didn't really like it that much. Three out of ten. I didn't like it.
1: Three out of ten. Yeah. Wow. Um, I still liked it. I, I I think you know seven is a little high probably than I normally would, but mm, the lowest I would go is six point five. Good for you. I still think it's got some fun stuff in it. It's not great, but I don't disagree with you. Three though.
2: Yep three
1: I like some of the scenes with the Italian boys I thought that those were really good I love mm-hmm. the scenes with the stepfather right Mike Street
0: mm-hmm. is
1: that his name Mike Star sorry mm-hmm. I like him and uh, there is some authenticity in it but yeah it, it is a long movie so I I could definitely see this movie being anywhere between her score and mine
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you know it's just one of those things. Uh, I would, so that comes out to what three point or no, 5.25 between the two of us. It's just an average film. So unfortunate because I remembered it so much more fondly, you know what I mean? But I haven't seen it in forever. And I remember there was a scene where the killer's like talking to something in the movie and I don't want to spoil it. Mm hmm. But yeah, if you don't want anything spoiled, guys, we're going to get into the spoiler section right now and some of the trivia. You can rent this movie, I think, for $3.99. Was it up anywhere? I don't remember for you. No,
2: I don't think so. I looked. I didn't see.
1: Okay. Yeah, it cost us a lot of money this week. So, Uh, But yeah, if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. The film was largely shot in the summer of 1998 and the set in the Italian-American neighborhoods of Country Club, Morris Park and Throgs Neck sections of the Bronx with some scenes filmed in Bronzevi- Brownsville, Brooklyn, although some of the most of the Son of Sam murders that happened actually took place in Queens, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, the double shooting that Vinnie narrowly escapes has been called an accurate depiction of the April 1977 killing of Alexander Esau and Valentina Soriani in the Bronx. Oh, wow. So Marie's beauty salon, the lounge or whatever she has, mm-hmm. where Vinny works was a real salon on Morris Park Avenue between Williamsbridge Road and Bronxdale Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh the real CD CBGB club was also used. The band LES Stitches da, uh shown playing in that is actually a contemporary punk band from 1980. They've been around for like a while.
2: 40 years.
1: Yeah. Danny Aiello was supposed to originally play the role of Eddie.
2: Oh.
1: That's why I said Danny Aiello earlier, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, In the script, Richie was the lead character, as I mentioned, and Vinny ended up becoming the main character in this one. So this script changed a lot. And honestly, I think that's probably what happened with this film Mm -hmm. and why it didn't score well with a lot of people is that it's just a little bit of everything all over the place.
2: Right. Those montages, man. But, you know, you got
1: movies like Dazed and Confused and shit like that. That's what they were kind of going for. It's like this era where just all these different things are happening all at once. Mm -hmm. But Dazed and Confused is a way better movie than this. Um, I think anyway there were about two minutes of the film cut mostly from the club orgy scene <laughs> Jeez,
2: that was even where, where
1: I remember when I was younger and I my girlfriend uh, and I were together because she was she, like I don't want to spill the beans too much but she used to cheat on me a lot and like I remember sitting in the thing and I seen him like grab the girl's hand and put it on his wife's breasts and you can tell she doesn't want to be there and everything like mm-hmm. that and it was just like this awkward uh The whole thing. And then they get into that fight
2: in the car and he calls
1: her a slut. (laughs) Because you were like, oh, when's he going to get mad? And I was like, oh, she knows. (laughs) She's like, well, this is the typical bullshit, isn't it? Like, he's going to fuck anybody he wants, but she's not allowed to. He's going to get jealous. And I was like, yeah, you're pretty right, actually, I think. And then sure enough, he calls her a slut.
2: Right. I'm the slut. You've been fucking my cousin. And then, yeah, she lost her shit.
1: Yeah. Um, It was going to get a N17, though, before they cut this two minutes, by the way.
2: (laughs) Two minutes? Yeah. Two (laughs) minutes.
1: Mira Sorvino actually didn't like that scene at all, by the way.
2: I bet. She
1: said that it was uh, demoralizing for her. Right. So totally. <laughs> no, she wasn't acting, apparently, uh, which is kind of fucked up if you think about it.
2: Yeah, it really is.
1: Um, the wall at the beach club where Vinny and all them hang out where they're selling drugs and shit with the Italian flag on the oh. end of the street. Uh-huh. The the flag was painted there by the filmmakers before shooting and they actually kept it up. It's, oh, cool. It's still there today.
2: Oh, that's cool. So you can
1: actually see it. It's it's actually more uh, Irish German than Italian. <laughs> though uh the word fuck by the way is used in this movie over 435 times in a 142 minute film which gives you an average of 3.0 fucks per minute (laughs)
2: that's funny
1: that's crazy dude an average of three fucks per minute
2: and then they're not
1: including the fucks that happened in the movie too where people are fucking (laughs) that's a lot of fuck uh, all right. Sorry. It's not as funny as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> don't laugh. I don't care. <laughs> so Spike Lee, remember I told you, he was facing a lot of negative feedback from the family members of the victims who didn't want that movie to be shot. And as a result, they really did have to change the script and focus more on the community rather than the killer himself. So it was going to be called Son of Sam. Right. That, but they had to change it to summer, summer. which yeah. is clever.
2: Yeah, it is clever.
1: Because it makes it more about the neighborhood. And I don't think that's a bad idea anyway. Right. And I don't really think it glorifies it if you would have done this fucking documentary on him, sort of. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I guess maybe. Leonardo DiCaprio was actually uh, one of the picks for this movie, as well as Benicio hmm. Del Toro for Vinny. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were going to be <laughs> the lead roles. So Leonardo DiCaprio was going to play the punk and... Mm-hmm. Benicio Del Toro was going to do Vinny weird isn't that weird yeah that's weird can you picture that in your head that's odd
2: right I feel like
1: you know like it makes sense for fucking Leonardo DiCaprio but
2: I guess you know
1: Benicio Del Toro was still young and he did do fucking Fear and Loathing mm-hmm. but he's kind of an old older man you know what I mean like mm-hmm. he's a big dude so we it would have kind of weird right I don't know he probably would have done a good job but Leguizamo did a really good job so mm-hmm. that was his role Um, There's a part where Joey and Brian go to the uh, CBGB's to, to search for Richie and there's a band playing. That was the LES man that I was talking about.
2: Oh, okay. About. Mm-hmm. So
1: that scene in particular, where there's like a guy rolling around on the stage a little bit, right? That's the LES man that I was talking. About. LES stitches, sorry.
2: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is a kind of a funny scene when you see some fucking uh, the Guido's coming in, here, fucking dog, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: coming into the punk club and they're all making faces at him and stuff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they like don't they grab who are they oh they were looking for richie right
2: yeah they were looking for richie to beat him up because right but then
1: then that's right and then he tells them to run yeah it's just fucked up dude He but you really don't like Legozamo's character 100 percent, but you kind of feel for him and then when he does that that's when it's well, like well it's
2: because he's torn between the neighborhood you know and his friend seems a little
1: odd though right because like he was like fast friends with him like instantly when well, he... they'd know
2: they'd known each other forever though. It's just he left and came back. Uh, Richie did,
1: right? But it was like not even like a scene or two before that where he smashes the the ketchup bottle over his head, and and Leguizamo's like, "Whoa, what the fuck are you doing?" Because <laughs> I guess you know he's just thinking, "Oh, he's turned punk and he's talking British. What's wrong with him? That's weird." So that's what rationalizes. It seems a little sudden is what I'm trying to say. Oh,
2: okay. I see.
1: It doesn't seem as natural that you would just rat out your friend like that. Right. Like, even if I had a falling out with my friend, I wouldn't Well, do I that. feel
2: like the other guys convinced convinced Vinny.
1: Dude, I had a friend do that to me. So I think that maybe my wife be doing the same fucking thing. Come outside. Talk to me. Come on.
2: Come outside and talk yeah, to and me. Yeah, and you went.
1: No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> but I got punched in the face right as I said No. <laughs> that was fucked up is there any scenes in the movie that you did like then i didn't know you hated this movie i really didn't
2: i did like the beginning scene when uh they were uh abba fernando was playing and he shot the two girls in the car and there was also another one when uh the the girl blocked herself getting shot in the head with a book Mm. like that was that was pretty cool i liked that
1: yeah, the, the the killer scenes were pretty fucking brutal.
2: Right. There was also another scene where uh, John Lake uh woke up from a nightmare and he was in bed with his wife. He woke up from a nightmare and, and went and he started yelling <laughs> at the window. You fucker. You fucker. You come for me. You fucking son of Sam. Yeah, because they Motherfucker. were because they were teasing him that like the neighborhood people were teasing him that the, he saw the killer and then uh vinnie was like no don't say that don't that's not true
1: oh so this is where you didn't really understand that part right what do you mean like where did he because like he was at the scene with a girl having sex
2: yeah he was he, they were at a club yeah and then he left his wife at the club and, and went to go and, drop the his her this, cousin yeah, off yeah yeah being this uh girl in the car and then uh went back to the club and then when they were leaving, they noticed that where he was, he was just at two people got shot. With that was the Abba scene with Fernando. Well,
1: he saw him pulled up behind him. Actually, he oh, even yeah, that's flicked right. him off and shit. Yeah, and then left. Mm-hmm. And that was where the people got killed. It's that same spot,
2: mm-hmm. and he
1: just narrowly escaped it. So technically, <laughs> he didn't get seen, but he yeah, right. Like the killer didn't get caught. He just
2: right, and that was a great scene in the diner. When he broke the uh, ketchup bottle on his head.
1: Yeah, I did like that, yeah. Yeah, that was a good scene. It wasn't great. It was just okay. Because they're like, those two guys in the pink shirts. He's like, who the fuck are these guys over here with the fucking pink shirts? (laughs) Fucking yeah. He's like, I don't worry about them. Why why don't you go ahead and get them fucking some
2: water or something, yo? Fucking Joe, get them some water.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Leguizamo, does it not?
2: A little bit, yeah. (laughs) Which is funny because he's not Italian. at all i know i was you know, like is funny. he puerto
1: rican or is he fucking italian <laughs> here? Know, like yeah. well, maybe he's a little mixture of both
2: he did a good job though um did you catch it catch that with that reggie jackson conspiracy yes because they were saying how the uh the killer shot with a 44 caliber pistol and his number was 44 so it had to relate to reggie jackson who was a baseball player during that time.
1: Even if it wasn't real, though, it still sounds real because that's how people are, especially now when I see people come up with these crazy, wild theories and shit like that. It's like, oh, my God, that makes sense. You know, like I'm like, well, someone's probably got to believe that, you know, mm-hmm. because they were making a list and they were like <laughs> going through. Oh, what about fucking, you know, Joe who makes the pizza? You got this new guy and he looks at people weird, you know, put him on the list. Put him. He's like, yo, 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 we got to call him down here. This list is getting crazy. We're not just putting anybody on. Got to get real people here. He's like, well, I'll put you on the fucking list. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's fucking funny, dude. I, yeah. I, hearing that That's why I love hearing those voice. Like, I used to have friends that would, you know, talk sort of like that. You know what I mean? So, you hear what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? Fuck. But yeah, I don't know. 100% sure. I looked it up here to see if uh, there was anything. And all it does is mention that. You know, the 44 in the back of the jersey of Reggie is is why he was going around with a brand new gun, by the way, a 44 caliber, 44 caliber gun. He was the card of the 44 killer,
2: 44 caliber killer. Yeah,
1: that's why they, you know, they were just releasing shit to the public all the time, which is kind of like reckless a little bit. Now they don't do that so much. They don't explain what he was carrying and they're not as specific. Yeah,
2: because it's under investigation and they're not supposed right, to. Right,
1: yes. And then before, I guess they were just like spilling it all over the streets. and that's, Gotta get
2: those ratings.
1: Of course, that's going to cause people to go a little nutty in the fucking neighborhood. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. But that's that, that thing that he said, uh, Berkowitz said, where he goes, well, you got me. I can't believe it. You got me. That was real. That's like what he said to the cops. (laughs) They got him on a parking ticket.
2: (laughs) Right. Because he left it on his car when he was driving away.
1: Yeah. And someone said that there was only four cars in that neighborhood that at that moment Mm -hmm. that got a ticket and his was one of them and they went to his house and fucking found him. Like, that's how they got him.
2: Did you like the part when the dog was talking to him?
1: Yes. That's one of my favorite parts in the movie. That's what I remember fondly, but...
2: It was done really well. I love... I
1: also like when he was like the dog... The dogs bark and he's like... He's like, I swear to God, I I tell you every time the fucking dog just keeps barking. It's not nice. It's not nice. You you tie it to the tree and it just fucking barks and just keeps barking. And then he comes out with a gun, shoots it. (laughs) and that's why it's haunting him because he he shot it yeah he thinks it's like in his head or whatever he can't stop Mm -hmm. thinking about it i guess maybe maybe it's like his like guilt complex because they do talk about like stuff like that with david berkowitz but i don't think it's true i think that he was making that shit up to try to get off of a on a you know i'm crazy plea or whatever Mm -hmm. that's what they would do back in the day
2: they did say that the dog's name was Harvey, and he was a 2,000 year old dog that told him to do it.
1: Right, yeah. From from hell. That's what he said when he got arrested, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But I don't think any of that's true, and he just kind of made he that up. He just made it yeah. up. That's what I've heard about the story, and I, I could have done a little more research on it, but that would have just made this so much yeah, longer. It's
2: kinda, yeah, exactly. I was
1: like, eh. And
2: it wasn't a huge part of the movie.
1: No. No. It wasn't really. And, yeah. I, and I, I forgot about that. Like, I, yeah. I thought it was a much bigger part.
2: Right. No, it wasn't a big part at all.
1: So and I think they did that in. Uh, oh, it was Henry serial. Henry portrait of a serial oh, killer. I hate that movie. Yeah, that's got some pretty rapey stuff in it. That's yeah. why. Yeah.
2: Yuck. <laughs> Yuck.
0: Yuck.
1: But that guy would also like pull his car over, act like he needed help. And then whoever would help him, he would shoot him which is fucked.
2: <laughs> you know what I this mean? That's why you don't help anybody, okay? Yeah, I
1: know. Like it's like I wouldn't help anybody out to that either, you know? But why make everybody more selfish? Right? Like if you're going to kill people, don't fuck kill the good ones, you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> that might be why though he's jealous. <laughs> like, I guess yeah, cuz nobody helped him jealous? or something, yeah. This is what I get when I get
1: fucked over for trying to help people. Uh, um, which you know who that guy is, right? Kind of reminds me of the guy who plays Henry Henry. Uh, Sid he, Haig he, is in that, I think. Or no, not Sid Haig. The guy from uh, the 90s version of um, uh, eh, Night of the Living Dead, the 90s movie, you know what I'm talking about? hmm Michael Rooker is playing that part. He was in The Walking Dead, and he also is in fucking Guardians of the Galaxy that blue dude that, you know? hmm And then, of course, the his partner in the movie is Tom Towles. Oh, okay. Who played the dickhead that was in the basement in the 1990s version of, of Night of the Living Dead, oh, Tom okay. Savini's version,
0: uh-huh. which I
1: think he did the better. Well, they're both really good. The original Nightmare, or Night of the Living Dead and that guy, but I, I just like his death in the end a little bit more, and he's a little bit more of a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it feels good when she just shoots him in the head in the 1990s version. <laughs> Another one for the fire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know. It was kind of fun to watch these movies, but, you know, I just didn't... It's been a long time since i've seen summer sam mm-hmm. it really has so unfortunately it wasn't a great hit for christina and i you know wasn't happens the, yeah let's see you know we gave it a what three point or 5.25 yeah between the two of us so that's pretty uh eh.
2: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it probably could go lower so probably yeah so um but I still think it's worth a watch. And the other one is definitely worth a watch. I would, I, would, I almost Highly have to recommend. feel like I need to give that a eight just so that you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it does lack a little, so it is a little different, but it's definitely worth kind of like seeing it. It might make you go down the rabbit hole again mm-hmm. with all the lector stories or TV show or whatever. So, so next week we are going to be watching Alligator one and two. So... You're, one of them just came out in 4K. I didn't get that. We're just gonna rent them. We're I think they're on uh, Shutter, actually, aren't they? Alligators from 1980, and you can watch it on. You can rent it for 2.99 on Amazon and 3.99 anywhere else. Up to 4.99 on Apple. Thanks, Apple. Or you can just buy it. I think it's as low as $8.99. They don't offer it in 4K unless you want to pick it up <laughs> from uh, Scream Factory, which they have the uh, other one. And then they have the second one on Blu-ray, which Alligator 2, I swear to God, these were I <laughs> I swear to God, these were on that you didn't have to rent them, but we're going to have to rent them, I guess. Okay. Both of them are $2.99, so you can rent them to rent on Amazon. So that's the cheapest way to do it unless you want to, own, unless you already own them. But I've been wanting to see them for a long time. I heard the first one doesn't have a lot of alligator scenes in it, but that they, when they do, they're pretty cool. And we're getting to the summer now, so it's like alligators in the city might be kind of fun.
2: Because
1: <laughs> we did Killer Crocodile one and two before, remember? Oh yeah. Did you Did you watch that one with me? I think so. I don't, I'm pretty sure that was you. It could have been Brittany. It was a while ago, but anyway, Alligator One and Two, we'll be watching those. So that is your assignment. If you'd like to watch along, you can find them online. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed our discussion about it, and uh, let us know what your thoughts are on both of these movies. Do you like Manhunter a lot? And did I give it? Uh, did I give Summer Sam too high of a score? Six point five or seven? Or did Christina give it too low? Or is it somewhere in between? What do you guys think? I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of it. But thanks for coming by, and as always, white. with the We're gonna